Welcome to another Dragonland Saga review episode. It is Kiranora Fierce Wealth the Twelfth. My name is Adam, and today I'm going to give you my spoiler review of the Dargonesty by Paul Thompson and Tanya Cook. I will be spoiling the story, so if you don't want to hear it, go read the book and come back and uh, watch this after the fact. Now, I would like to take a moment and thank the members of this uh, YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below and remind you that you can always pick up Dragonlance Gaming materials using my affiliate links also in the description below. Now, these are my perspectives, my thoughts on this novel. If yours differ, by all means, share them. It's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on anything, especially this book of all the things in the world to agree on. Uh, so let me know. If you're watching live, thanks for tuning in. Share your thoughts in the live chat. And if you're watching this after the fact, throw them in the comments below. I appreciate hearing what you have to say. Uh, now, the way these reviews work, if this is your first time, I'm going to give you my pre-written review and then just sort of riff, not just on the characters or the setting or situations or anything. Oh, not again. And here I thought I had solved my jittery issues. And it's cropping up yet again. It was so perfect just a moment ago. I really have no idea why he's doing this. Um, anyway, uh, you know, we'll riff for a little while, you know, as long as I can handle watching my Max Hedrum face moving about the screen. Chris, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's see. Greg, thanks for tuning in. Good to see you. All right, let's dive into this. Anyone else after the fact, throw up your thoughts or just say hi we begin again i apologize about this stuttering i have no idea why it's doing it i really did think i resolved it we begin with an interesting event that i would not have expected vixa ambrodel daughter of lady verhana cannon and niece to the speaker of the sun Silveran, is a member of the quality military like her mother was before her. she's sent with a force to extricate the ambassador to ergoth Quinevalen due to the war between Vinus Salamnus and the Emperor of Aragoth. Now, this is the event that will create Salamnia as a nation. They're sailing by boat, and after helping some locals from war-profiteering brigands, they follow their leader to the elven... I'm sorry, my eyes are a little bit blurry here. They follow their lead to their elven kin, only to approach as a massive fog cloud. They sail into this cloud with no other option, only to become lost and run aground. They split the group, with Vixa and the captain and some soldiers going to the land to find a way off or around it, when they notice a couple of strange-looking figures. They follow them into what appears to be a cave, only to be seemingly suffocated and pass out. They wake and realize that the land they ran into was a kraken of some sort, and they're inside of it. They attack it and realize that they're far underwater and as they're expelled into the ocean. The majority of them are saved by dolphins, who somehow provide shells that allow the elves to breathe underwater. They travel to an underground city and find it populated by sea elves. They know old children's stories about sea elves, but they never believe them to be real. They're met by Corfing, the first servant of their divine queen, and they're in the city of Urion, which is separate from Watermere. And this is where we should really point out very strongly that this is not about the entire race of the Dargonesty or the Demernesty. This is about a offshoot city called Urion that's about an offshoot group of Dargonesty, which are um, uh, led ultimately by evil gods 
and this demented, mad, dark queen that is uh, Dargonesty, who just knew she would never be in a position of rulership over Watermere, so she struck out on her own to create her own evil city. Which is a little misleading, because the Kaganesty book was all about the Kaganesty as a people. The Kinslayer Wars were about the Sylvanesty and Quilinesty as people. And this is just about one tiny little group of them. So, a little misleading. Anyway, we eventually discover that Queen Uriona, the fourth daughter of the Speaker of the Moon, had no prospects for rulership, so she studied magic at the cost of her mind. She broke off with a contingent of other Dargonesty and formed this city based on visions she claimed to have received from their high gods. She believed she will unify all elves and rule them on land when the group arrives at the city. They're split up with two of them going to slave pens and the other two, including Vixa, going to talk with Corathian. He wants to know more about the Sylvanistian Qualinisty, but Vixa refuses to answer him, realizing that she's not among kin, but rather a prisoner. Suddenly, the city is attacked, and everyone is sent off to fight the Chilkit, crab-like monsters that eat the Dargonesty. Once they fight off the beasts, we realize that the slaves are building a wall between the Chilkit and the Dargonesty for protection. The queen has been using her kraken to sink ships in order to collect slaves. After the battle, Vixa is summoned by the queen, who is forbidden to look at, uh, who anyone is forbidden to look at the queen. Vixa, being a firebrand, tries to sneak a peek and is nearly killed by the queen's magic. Now, I'm doing my best not to think of the Gungan underwater city as I read this novel, but it's really, really difficult. I'm also struck by how much worse these Dargonesty are than the elves even in Sylvanesty. The queen reads Vixa's mind when she is unconscious, learning that she is the blood of Kith Cannon and a princess. Vixa is visited by Naxo, a shape-shifting dolphin that saved her, and tells her the history of the queen and the city, and shares his belief that she is, in fact, mad, sick in the head. He plans on abandoning the city and the queen and will not share more information with Vixa. Then Corifine returns to question Vixa more, but she again refuses to share information and she sends her to the slave pits. She's reunited with her people as slaves and their dwarves who create gnome fire to cook fish. She plans on breaking out with the gnome fire after watching a human attempt to escape but dying on the way due to decompression. As the dejected prisoners return to their slave pen while the dwarf Gundabir Ironbender hears the sound of tunneling. This could only be the Chilkit tunneling under the Dar Dargonesty walls. The prisoners frantically build more gnome fire and wait for the Chilkit to breach their tunnel. They do shortly, and many slaves die in this fight, as one of the Kualinsty warriors leaves to warn their captors. The prisoners have no air shells to swim to safety with, so they're trapped, and the tunnel is letting seawater into their air bubble prison. They fight this giant sea creatures with the gnome fire, but are overwhelmed and forced to swim for the city. They all swim out with many drowning en route. Even Vixa blacks out. She awakens on the surface of the ocean, helped by the sea brother Naxos. He offers to take her to shore in safety, but she cannot abandon her troops. He then offers her an opportunity to change, but there's no coming back from the change. She doesn't seem as she has any real choice, so she accepts it as Naxos casts a spell to transform her into a shape changer. Now this really bothered me. I understood the Dargonesty and Demernesty as being altered by the Grey Gem into sea elves that can change into dolphins and sea otters, respectively. This novel changes all of that, saying that not all the Dargonesty can change into dolphins, only the Sea Brothers, and there are few of them. 
This completely alters the Darmanistee lore and Dargonistee lore and function from every source book I've ever read. It's akin to making Bailiff an elf in one novel and therefore must be an elf when all other source material says he's a kender, including this novel. Why Dragonlance cannot be consistent in its lore is baffling and enraging to me. Vixa, a new quantity shape changer, returns to Urion to discover the Chilkit have attacked the city and have it surrounded. She meets with Korofin and learns that all but one of her warriors is still alive. She tells him that she can have Gundabir make gnome fire to kill the Chilkit, and they immediately approve of the plan, offering their freedom after the battle. They work in earnest to make as much gnome fire as possible and march against the Chilkit side by side. The battle is hard fought, and even when the Chilkit are fleeing, the elves press to exterminate them all. This kills many more elves than were necessary, but the madness of the Dargonesty is too strong. The battle ends, and the queen demands the slaves and Vixa murdered. Now this bothers Korofin as he gave his word, but his love for his queen is too strong to deny her. During the battle, Naxos tried to stop Korofin and was branded a traitor, feeling with a speaker... Uh, I'm sorry, fleeing with a spear in his back. As Corfine is rounding up and killing the prisoners, Vixa searches for Naxos, finding him in a cave. He asks for a potion from a temple, knowing it will turn him into a zombie, but at least he will live and the pain will be gone. Vixa returns to the city, but is captured and detained by a spell. Corfine refuses to kill her, but plans on imprisoning her until the Dargonesty takes Sylvanost. They're gathering their forces now and are marching out soon. The other Sea Brothers pretended to ally themselves with the Mad Queen, but wait till Vixa can lead them to Naxos. And this is where we get to the heart of the real madness of this queen. She believes she will be put on the throne and put in charge of all elves, unifying all land and sea elves. She sees herself as a divine entity, and that's where her madness begins. They are going to use all of their resources to invade Sylvanost. So Gundabar searches and finds Vixa, setting her free from the spell, and they gather the potion and flee to Naxos as the Sea Brothers follow. The Sea Brothers refuse to let their leader turn into a zombie and bring him to a healer. They all flee as the army marches on the seafloor to Sylvanosti. Vixa and Gundabar arrive, <laughs> Gundabar, Gundabir arrive on land only to be captured by Sylvanesty warriors patrolling the shore. They take her to Thronbeck Fortress, and no one believes her story about the invading force or the existence of the Demernesty. They send out scouts to the shore to see if there's any truth, but they return with nothing. The pair tries to prove their story by uh, Vixa return, uh, turning into a dolphin, but she can't do it in freshwater and is thrown into the fortress dungeon. They're led out as a nearby town and fortress are under siege by the Demernesty. The town is burning by gnome fire, and the fortress is holding thus far, nearly refusing until the last moments to warn Sylvanost of the coming invasion. And of course, now my video is just frozen. This is so frustrating. <laughs> okay, the former prisoners are now fighting their first captors with their second captors. I definitely understand why the Sylvanesty refuse to believe this random elf and dwarf, as they have no proof of who they are or their story, but you'd think as soon as the invasion started, the Sylvanesty would send word to Sylvanost. There should be no question about that. All of the elven nations are completely insane. Alright, so I'm going to try to 
fix this damn thing because this is driving me insane. So give me one second as I try to add in a new remove. Let's expand and send you behind and refresh. All right, I don't know what the hell is going on. I apologize for the uh, problems. Let me give you a quick uh, response here, Chris, before I dive in. Hey, Goldman, thanks for tuning in. Uh, the difference between Dagronist and Demernesty is not only the locations, but also what they can turn into. So the Dargonesty turn into dolphins, Demernesty turn into sea otters. But with this novel, it actually says that that's not true at all. It's only the sea brothers that turn into different animals which, again, makes no sense with any of the information that's ever been released thus far. So let's see if my video starts messing up yet again. The fortress falls as the Dargonesty summon the Kraken, which pulls down its walls. Very few escape, including Gundabir and Vixa. They regroup and notice the Dargonesty don't press their advantage. They're staying out of the sun, only fighting at night. The survivors flee to Sylvanas and are brought to the Speaker of the Stars, Elendar, the fourth son of the former Speaker, Sethas. Quickly, Vixa notices that the Speaker is at odds with the other elves, and he is very unconventional in his mannerisms. It turns out that he was never meant to be the Speaker, but to serve as regent till his youngest brother comes of age. None of his heirs will rule. Vixa tells him of everything she's experienced, and the rulers of the clans and houses call her a spy and blame her for the fortress. The speaker takes her side and has dinner with her and Vixa and Gundabir, hearing more about their trials in private. Then the Dargonesty attack. The Savinesty are not prepared for the tactics and manner in which the Dargonesty are assaulting, and their sheer numbers. The speaker calls for the citizens to come defend their nation, but that could take a week. What transpires is a wonderful series of attacks and counterattacks told brilliantly by the authors. This would truly make for a wonderful season of a series. The Dargonesty cannot bring their Kraken into the Thonthalas River, so it's up to the Gnomefire in numbers. As the Slavenesty are defeated, Vixa is given the sword of Bailiff and fights to defend her Slavenesty brethren. The speaker has his clerics draw the water out of the river, hurting the Dargonesty, who are weary and beaten in many battles. Then Uriona summons her evil priests, and they summon a fog which disorients and pacifies those caught within it. Vixa, in an act of desperation with twenty soldiers, crosses the lines into the fog and hunts down the priests, slaughtering them all. But the Dargonesty surround and begin exterminating her troops. When all seems lost, the reinforcements finally arrive and the Dargonesty are routed. In the most insane aspect of this novel, the speaker decides to imprison Coraphine for life and marry Uriona, the evil Dargonesty queen. It makes zero sense to anyone, but Vixen knows that there's nothing that she can do to change his mind. She tells Coraphine, who is beside himself and leaps from his tower to his death. Then she takes Griffin back to Thorbarden to drop off Gundabir and returns home to Quilinesty. It turns out that the ambassador, which started this whole adventure off in the first place, arrived a few weeks before Vixa did just now, and she was given command of the Wildrunners a command that she eventually gave to her next in command so that she could then go to the sea as it was calling out to her. For all we know, she spent the remainder of her life in open ocean. As Uriona turned the heads of the houses against the speaker and made the Savanesty even more xenophobic than they already were. 
I guess she was right in the first place about ruling the elves. This was a fantastic novel that dragged a bit in the first third, but really won me over in the final third. I desperately wish I could um, have I could pay someone to have this made into a film or series. This whole Elven Nation trilogy, Kugonesty and Dargonesty novels are great. If you like Dragonlance history, elves, or massive battles, and political drama, definitely read this novel. All right, so let's see what you guys have thoughts about this. Um, were the Dargonesty and Demernesty land equivalents, um, or what were their land equivalents? It wasn't really like that. They're both sea elves, and my video is messing up again. Oh, man, I'm going to lose my doggone mind. Um, they live in two different kingdoms, one up in the Blood Sea of Istar, the uh, Demernesty, and the Dargonesty live in Watermere, which is off the coast of, uh, like, southeast of... Um, Bailiff, uh, Balafor, and Sylvanesty. So two different water kingdoms, two different sea elf nations, but and their differences is really just what they can turn into. But other than that, they're pretty much the exact same. So are the Sea Brothers like the Frog Brothers from the Lost Boys? <laughs> uh, no. So the Sea Brothers are basically the shape-changing or Dargonesty in this novel. The normal Dargonesty can't actually change shape in this novel only, and so only the Sea Brothers can. But they can also turn anyone else into be able to shape change, into a shape changer. Which, again, drives me insane because it doesn't match up with any Dragonlance lore ever, anywhere. But apparently the dolphin could just do magic and make Vixa the Quillenstie Elf suddenly change into a dolphin forever, and the spell is permanent. So now she's just sort of drawn to the sea and wants to return. It's so crazy. So the time frame in this book was definitely well before the Cataclysm. It was back when Vinus Salamnus was creating the Knights of Salamnia. So this was when, and before even that, this is um, in the Age of uh, Dreams, when Ergoth was finally fracturing and... Vinus Salamnus was sent off to um, northeastern Ergoth to find out why the locals were rebelling against the kingdom, and he realized that it's because the emperor is mad and he's, you know, sort of torturing his subjects and treating them like crap. And so Vinus Salamnus sides with those Ergothians and openly has a civil war with the emperor of Ergoth. It's called like the Night of Frozen Tears. He invades Ergoth, sues for peace. The emperor has no choice but to give it to him, and thus um, uh, Salamnia was born. So that's what's happening at the very beginning of this novel. And it's really only like weeks till the end of this novel. So it's all happening at that one time. After Quillenstie was founded, after, of course, the Kuganesti were all founded and stuff, um, well before the Cataclysm ever happened. So the Kuganesti novel happens before, during, uh, mainly before the Cataclysm, like the Age of uh, Dreams, and then into like the, um, um, ultimately into the Cataclysm, because that's where we see the Cataclysm happen with the, the last of the Kuganesti that lived in that northeastern Sylvanesti forest area. So you always thought it was cool that there was an entirely different world in Kryn taking place below the sea. Yeah, that's why I never understood people's obsession with like the Underdark and stuff. Because Dragonlance has both. It has undersea 
kingdoms and under earth kingdoms with not just the dwarven kingdoms, which are vast and massive, you know, going beyond the scope of like, uh, um, um, what was the name of the, the Lord of the Rings kingdom? Moria. And like, of course, down in Karain, down in the South Pole, there's a huge, massive underground kingdom, hundreds of levels, hundreds of miles down into the, the planet uh, down there. So they have the Underdark, they have Undersea Kingdoms, and in fact, in the original DL series, you actually got to go into the Blood Sea of Istar and help the Demernesty fight off the Dark Queen's minions in a massive um, battle system war. Pretty cool. And that was never in any of the books and stuff, but it is in the modules. So, yeah, they really explore the underground world of Kryn really, really well in those old DL modules. All right. So ultimately, like, I did enjoy this novel. The more I think about it, especially with the lore of the sea elves being changed, that does bother me. And the fact that it's not about the Dargonesty, it's about a small group of Dargonesty, that kind of bothers me. But this does conclude all of the elven novels that I'm aware of. And so the next one that I'm going to be reading and reviewing is, um, well, a Han Solo book for a different channel. But the one after that is going to be the King Priest trilogy. So look forward to that because this is going to be the second time I've read it and the first time I've read it since I was out of middle school. <laughs> like I read it way back in the day when it came out as a little kid. So this is going to be really interesting to, interesting to get back into that. So, Dragonlance doesn't have Mind Flayers, Beholders, Ancient... Oh, that's not true. That is not true at all. So, the um, Dragonlance does have Mind Flayers. The lore is that they are actually up in Talidas, which was came out in 2nd edition, Advanced Sons and Dragons, and it's an entire massive continent. Uh, and these Mind Flayers were... Uh, supposedly came down a crashed ship from... Spelljammer, and they've been there for so long, they actually lost their sense of their own history, and they've just sort of dwelt there in this sort of isolated community, capturing locals and sort of uh, feeding off of them and stuff. So they definitely do have an Underdark. It is not as, um, it is not as, uh, like Beholders and stuff. I, I don't think Dragonlance has any of that in their Underdark. The ancient Netheril ruins in Lolth, they definitely don't have but they have equivalents of creatures and underground kingdoms and stuff like that. So it's really just a flavor preference. If your idea of underground kingdoms only being the Menza brands in Underdark, well then, yeah, that's not Dragonlance. But then Forgotten Realms isn't Dragonlance, and it was never supposed to be. I mean, Dragonlance was first. <laughs> so um, ultimately, the Underdark... You know, it's it's all about flavor. So in your Dragonlance game, if you want to insert beholders and stuff, just like they inserted mind flares, well, you can. It's totally up to you. You could break into an ancient chamber that was been around since the age of Starbirth, you know, or the age of dreams, and suddenly you discover this ancient culture of beholders that have lived exclusively outside of the rest of the world's machinations, and now you've got to suddenly deal with them stuff like that you can do no problem you know it's all just storytelling so what was the last in the series what book are you doing next I already told you about that the king priest trilogy um any other questions 
the time frame of this we already covered. All right, that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I apologize about the camera issues I'm having. I'm going to try my best to get it resolved before tomorrow's stream. This is driving me nuts. I, I really don't understand what the problem is, but um, I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, that is going to do it for my review of The Dargonesty by Paul Thompson and Tanya Cook. Uh, did you like the presentation of the Dargonesty under Uriona's command? Should the novel have been named differently for its focus on just one small group of Dargonesty? And finally, will we ever get to see Dragonlance on the big screen? You can email me at info@dlsaga.com or comment below. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the like button. This all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. This channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance Saga, and I hope you'll join me in the celebration. Thank you for watching. This has been Adam with Dragonlance Saga, and until next time, Slanjavar.